0: Welcome to the ElfQuest Show, the internet's only fan-made podcast series dedicated to the long-running, award-winning, epic fantasy series, ElfQuest, created by Wendy and Richard Keene. I'm David Mizajuski, also known as my elf self, Thornbreak. My co-host Ryan Brown is off exploring Europe, so tonight, I've invited two special guest hosts. If you participate in the ElfQuest fan group on Facebook, you'll recognize their names, Lisa Lannan and Katie LaSalle-Lowry. Hey guys! Hi. Hey, David. I'm so excited that you guys could join me while Ryan's off gallivanting and exploring and all that good stuff. Um, I thought we would start by letting you guys maybe just introduce yourself and and let all the listeners know, you know, your ElfQuest story. How did you get into ElfQuest, and how long have you been reading and and that kind of thing? So, Lisa, why don't you kick us off?
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me on here. It's really exciting to do this with you and with Katie. I have been reading ElfQuest since um, 1985-ish. I had a neighbor who lived behind me, and her dad was reading them, and they introduced me. So all the, I, I want to say the first four Starblaze graphic novels were out then, so I got to devour them all in one sitting.
0: Awesome. How about you, Katie?
1: Well, thanks for having me also. This is thrilling and fun.
2: I think I was also introduced to ElfQuest in probably about the same time, about 1985. My mom was a librarian at the time. And one of her fellow librarians was really into censorship, which is really odd for a librarian. And that drove my mom nuts. And one of the things this librarian couldn't stand was comics in general and ElfQuest in particular, because all of the college kids that frequented that library were really into it. So she decided to bring it home and introduce it to me, kind of, I think, just to uh, flip a finger at uh, her coworker, <laughs> so to speak, and uh, I got instantly hooked. Once I got over uh, myself being a little snobbish about, oh, I don't read comics, but um, that didn't take too long, and then I was hooked, and... Um, all the Starblaze, you know, the first four were out, and then it was a long wait for each one to come out, because I never lived in places that had comic book stores where I could get issues, so.
0: Right, right. Well, I, number one, want to say that I already love your mom, and <laughs> and um, I didn't actually realize that you, Katie, had been reading for so long. I was under the impression that you um, were, you know, fairly recent, so that's really cool to know.
2: Yeah, well, I had a long break because I didn't realize that there was ongoing publication until just a few years ago, and and then um, I went from a famine to feast, with all that <laughs> material to catch up on.
0: Excellent, yeah. Well, uh, I'm glad that you're all caught up and that um, you guys are are avid readers of The Final Quest, which is, you know, why we're all here tonight. Um, issue number 20 of The Final Quest just came out, and I know all three of us have eagerly devoured it and um, I, I already know from just seeing uh, both of your comments on Facebook that you guys have a lot of thoughts on it and I'm actually really excited because some of the thoughts that you've already shared um, were kind of thought-provoking for me. So without further ado, why don't we just dive right on into this issue? Oh so- my gosh, where, we- <laughs> where to start? Where to start? <laughs> All right, well you guys pick, where do you want to start?
1: Um, well, I just wanted to make sure. At one point, we did this for Ryan because as I was reading it, I thought we had to get this in the podcast for him because I'm not sure it's consistently been said. But he got his gratuitous—I don't want to say orgy scene, but
0: <laughs> I think I think it's pretty much an orgy scene. It's not, uh, it's not a blatant <laughs> one, but I, you know, again, if you if you are an ElfQuest reader, you know how to read between the lines, and I'm pretty sure they're getting it on everybody. So. <laughs> Well, maybe, oh yes, maybe oh, not. Yes. Maybe not the boy. <laughs> oh,
2: poor Bois. poor rejected Bois. But you have to give
0: him credit for trying, right? Uh,
2: absolutely. Maybe when he grows up into demand, he'll get some. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: my god! Exactly. All right. So, see, you guys are like already totally like expert podcast hosts here because you're already making word puns and mocking. Du Bois' name. So, you know, Ryan is going to be <laughs> proud when he hears this. But, um, but yeah, no, that scene was awesome. And it doesn't get more shen Shen-y than that scene, where she basically just is like, oh, oh no, child. I don't even think so. <laughs>
2: yeah, the nose in the air and the flip of the wrist. Right, yeah.
0: Well, well so, I love how... Sorry. Go, go ahead. I
1: was just going to say, I love how they included "Quicken in your hum to mine.
0: Yes, yeah. Yes. It's really the is first gonna- time... That, I mean, that whole idea of, of the elves and humans uh, not being able to get it on because the elves have a higher quote unquote hum is something that Wendy and Richard have talked about. But I don't know that it's ever actually been directly addressed, at least not in those terms within elf quest. I mean, we, the only other time we really saw it, um, and this whole idea of how elves and humans really couldn't, um, you know, get it on was, uh, back in, <laughs> in hidden years number three with a and little patch where she says our blood songs are pitched differently. And so um, this idea of the mm-hmm. hum is, uh, I, I kind of introduced for the first time in, in, at least coming out of the mouth of an elf. So that's kind of neat.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, so, so, but going back to the big picture, so the elves are partying, um, they're partying because, you know, well, because they're elves, but (laughs) they're partying, um, you know, they started partying because Cutter was back and they were honoring Skywise. And then that bled into a big old, basically a wedding reception for Mender and Dart who have, you know, officially become life mates. And so, um, again, it kind of makes sense to me that they're, um, it, this isn't just your average kind of hang out in the halt and pop a few dream berries and, and have some fun. This is like, you know, a real big to do. Yeah,
1: I wish event. you could see the smile on my <laughs> face. Yeah. Cause I was squeeing the whole time. There's so much that, you know, I can't scream through the whole podcast, <laughs> but this, this is one of them where I was going, Oh my God. <laughs> and just such a happy celebration.
0: Totally. Yeah.
2: So yeah. Joyous and free and, I was really taken right from the beginning with the, the art Um, when they're dancing to the beat of their silent drum that they hear via, you know, their shared sending. The art is so vibrant and so perfect of that sunset gloaming light that is so perfect in that last hour of the daylight when the sun's low on the horizon and you get that golden warm light and, that was rendered so perfectly and beautifully.
0: I totally agree. And, and I also think it's supposed to be fall. And so Sunny did mm-hmm. a really killer job at both capturing that sort of, um, that, that dusk, you know, sunset look, but also getting that, that sort of autumn color going on there. And um, I know Wendy is really pleased with how that turned out too. So yes. Yeah, so, so everybody's awesome. partying, everybody's dancing, everybody's getting it on. And, then we go into this scene. I, well, first we get a little interlude between Moonshade and Strongbow, but I want to save that for a minute um, and go right to um, another pretty major, well, one of the first real big major development that I would say in an issue that has several major developments. And that is <laughs> yeah. the evolution of the leadership of the, the go-backs, or at least this band of go-backs that is, kind of seems to be joining up with the Wolf Riders. So who wants to talk about that?
1: I think that it was really I got to look at my notes too cuz I wrote a lot down but it's it's almost seamless and how easy it is. I love watching Venka and um Ember and, and they're all just together, tear. D- am I saying that right? Yes, you are. Tear. Yep. Okay. Tear, they're just they're together, they're relaxing but not totally their guards not all the way down and bantering about the leadership and possibilities and anything's open, but it's just, it's almost like not passing the torch, but just easing into something that's natural.
0: Yeah. I mean, what what do you think about that? I mean, I I think it's pretty clear that Venka is, is basically deciding that she's going to leave the palace. Um, And so, you know, she's kind of, seems like she's handing over the mantle of the go back leadership to Tyr, who's going to sort of, um, you know, maybe, maybe underneath Ember maybe is going to be become kind of a chief, like his sister and like his mother. So he
1: really looks like, you know, this one drawing, there's one panel where they're holding hands, Venka and mm-hmm. Tyr. And when you look at his eyebrows and his eyes, I was a little shocked at myself for not figuring out that that's who his mother was. Cause I really see her in that
0: completely, completely
1: yeah
0: yeah and also and also via their their other sister one of many yes. other sisters probably yes. um and and yeah totally it's 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 so right there when you know now that we know what we know about tier um it like the just the character design tells you everything you need to know and it was right there in front of us the whole time so it's kind of crazy
1: yep absolutely and- He's grown into his role, too, because when you look back where he was when they were out in the plains, he was really unsure and still very lonely, and here, it's like he's just part of the pack. Yeah.
2: Yeah, when we first met him, he didn't know how to relate to other elves and be part of a tribe at all, let alone be a leader, so that's quite the transformation he's undergone.
0: Yeah, I think... um... Well, again, knowing his history that we learned way back in the beginning of Final Quest, mm-hmm. um, you know, that why he was like that kind of, I don't know, I think makes a lot of sense. I mean, abandoned by, by Kavi, at least in his mind. Um, I don't think she considers it abandoning him. But, um, you know, and then losing his, his adoptive father um, and the rest of his, his, you know, his little tiny tribe. Um who, you know, interestingly might, you know, who knows, maybe they're still out there and maybe they're answering the calls mm-hmm. of the palace. Wouldn't that be a, a crazy thing that um, Yes, it would. We probably won't ever, you know, see that in the actual story, but you know, all you fan artists and fan fiction writers, um, you know, I think it's really good fodder for that. But um but yeah, no, I totally agree. Like it's it's really awesome to see Tears character development go from this kind of in a way like broken soul kind of character. Right, I mean.
2: Well, if he was a human, we'd say that he had attachment disorder from those abandonment traumas.
0: Right. Yeah, and like you said, he couldn't really relate, and you know, just had all sorts of problems. I mean, he he obviously you know fell for Ember pretty early, and maybe that was um, you know recognition early whispers, as we've seen happen with other other elves that you know get mm-hmm. together years and years and years before they actually recognize. But um, but yeah, he had some troubles relating to everybody else. So the fact that he's gotten to this point where, you know, he can actually take on this mantle of leadership is, is actually kind of awesome. And it's one of those, it's obviously not a, a main plot thread or a main storyline throughout the Final Quest, but, you know, another example of all of these tiny little, um, you know, stories that are woven into this bigger tapestry that is Final Quest. That's what um, I thought, anyway. Absolutely.
2: As, as uh, you know, Wendy, you know, made in that comment on Facebook today about... Um, you know the building of of over over the all of the history, and I you know mentioned that you know somebody had said that Final Quest seemed rushed, and I said, well, before Final Quest even began, it was thirty six years of building, and all of all of that is there, and yeah, he has changed so much over the years, not just in in Final Quest, but especially in Final Quest. But okay, I want to go back to um, Venka's um, sort of. Um, passing the torch, but not passing the torch, however we want to put that. Um, And you said you think it's pretty clear that she's going with the palace. I'm torn on that. I keep going back and forth. Clearly she's going somewhere, but I kind of wonder if that maybe isn't a red herring. Hmm.
1: That she has something else in mind. I think she's going, because it would fit with her dream in the hidden
2: years. Yes, it does fit with her dream. You're right about that.
0: Well, so, of course, you know, I this is uh, a totally new idea, because for me, it seems like she's totally going, but, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe she's not. Maybe there is something that Wendy and Richard have up their sleeves, because they don't actually say it, you know? I mean, she just references, it. you know, makes my choice so much easier. Um, although, in the last issue, or maybe it was the issue before, there was this comment um, about her giving birth to her baby, you know, it, it, you know, between the stars, and she says something like, "I've been thinking a lot about that." So that context for what happened in this issue is why I think she's probably gonna gonna go, but um, but who knows, right? I mean, maybe she will do something totally new and different.
1: Well, and that will fit one of my theories, and I don't know if you want to jump to that because yeah. I kind of had had hinted at it, and I'm totally gonna fly in the in the face of what everybody's excitement was with the, and I know we'll get it to it later, but the recognition Mm -hmm. (laughs) that happened again. (laughs) Ah! But, and everybody's excitement that these, they're the parents, that you know, Cutter and Lita are going to be the parents of Jink. And I've been mulling that over for a while, and one, if if some of that future quest stuff is, and I'm going to say this word wrong too, is it canon? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, if it's canon, let's just and I know not everything. It is until they say it isn't. And I, and I understand that. But if we go that far in the future for the humans to have evolved to that point, years and years and years and years have gone by. But if we theorize, it, that doesn't mean it couldn't be because the elves are immortal. But I was looking at Venka, and I'm thinking about her skills with her calming skills and her sending power and everybody's talking about Jink. And I thought, why does it have to be Cutter and Lita or Skywise into Maine? Venka's powers seem very unique in the sense of her telepathy. And why couldn't Jink have inherited some of that? So if she's not Venkin's, Venka's daughter, maybe somewhere great granddaughter or down that line, because again, being born in the stars, Jink talks about that.
0: Right. Well, I mean, here's the thing is that we have absolutely no idea, right? (laughs) That's that's like (laughs) the beautifully (laughs) torturous thing about all this, right? Um, We have no idea, you know, who the parents of Jink are. We have no idea, frankly, if any of that is actually going to connect into what Wendy and Richard are doing in final quest. Right? Right. I mean, right. And, and, the, and the very fact that not only do you have Venka, um, you know, pregnant, getting ready to have a baby, and Cutter and Lita now, and again, we'll talk about that in a minute, um, by all, you know, assumptions are going to be having a baby as well. We're all immediately thinking of Jink, but who knows, right? And the fact right. that there's only, what, five issues left, right? Four issues left. Oh my God, it's Four, crazy. You know. uh, um you know, maybe we're just never going to know, at least not in Final Quest.
1: Right, right. That's a, It's the delicious torture that takes up hours and minutes of our time fantasizing and discussing and picking apart. To <laughs> totally. And, having, you know, with.
0: That's, that's partially why I, I'm saying that, because just, you know, if we don't end up finding out, that doesn't make it any less... Fun to speculate and you know create our theories and argue and debate over, right? I mean, so you know, again, it could be Jin could be Venka's daughter, Jin could be Cutter and Lita's daughter. Who knows what's going to happen in these last four issues? You know, maybe uh, Tier and Ember are going to end up deciding to fulfill recognition, and um, so it, the, the big fat question mark, I think, is part of the fun of all this, and I'm quite sure it's something that is. Giving Wendy and Richard a whole bunch of delight, <laughs>
1: but I still think she's leaving Katie. Yeah, it was just a, just a thought.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, all thoughts are are welcome here. There's no right or wrong um, theory, right? Um, as you guys right. know from from Ryan and I spitting out tons of ideas, most of which are totally wrong. So, um,
1: yeah, but some are really dead on, and that's. Mm-hmm. Wow
0: yeah well you know I, I have to say Ryan is is the one who's really good about speculating and and, and making these guesses I, I'll be honest I I really I don't know if I'm just not creative enough to come up with this stuff or or not but my mind tends to do less speculating and more analyzing of what we're seeing um, and so I, I'm giving Ryan all the credit there so <laughs> but um you know one of the one of the, the panels that I just so love in this whole scene between Tyr and Venka and Ember is when she jumps on his, on, on Tyr's back. It's just super cute and in character. Yes, that and,
2: playfulness. Yeah. Yep.
0: And of, of course what they're talking about there is totally hilarious too, about, you know, trying to figure out like how are the gobacks going to ride their deer and you know, can't Tyr just tell the wolves not to eat the gobacks, deer, And and they're laughing and they're basically like, yeah, you can only tell a wolf to do what it's going to do. And Venka says the same thing about media, <laughs> Go <laughs> the gobacks themselves. And here's the really, really cool thing. Um, again, for those of you that are participating on Facebook, um, oh wait, it wasn't on Facebook. It's in the letters pages of this issue. If you scroll to the back, and I know many people probably haven't even read the letters yet because the issue just came out and, um, we're also obsessed with the actual story, but if you go to the back of the issue, there is a reprint of a uh, uh, an editorial that appeared in one of the original issues of ElfQuest. I want to say issue number six, uh, might be issue number five, let me see here, um, issue number four. Um, and so this was a, uh, a little editorial that Wendy and Richard wrote about meeting an actual wolf, an ambassador animal that... Um, you know, would go out, um, be brought out to schools and do other education programs to, you know, teach people about wolves and how um, they learned so much from that experience, meeting this wolf whose name is Slick. And what's so cool about the fact that they included this story in the letters pages is that it reflects exactly what happened in that scene. And like, like verbatim, they have to have taken the, the, the conversation and what Venka says about the go-backs Um, And what, you know, Ember and Tear are talking about, about the wolves in terms of using magic to influence them, because that is exactly what they say in this letter. But basically the gist of it is that, you know, you can you can only train a wolf to do what it's going to do. You can't control it or make it do anything that you don't want it to do. Oh, here it is. Yeah. So Slick's trainers... Um, said you, sure you could trade him you can trade him to do anything he wants and that's pretty much exactly <laughs> what they're saying about the wolves in ElfQuest and about the gobacks in this very issue so uh, I wanted to make sure that we call that out because it was a, a little bit of genius on Wendy and Richard's part to you know, get all of that in there in, the, in just kind of the perfect way. And, and to
2: save it for that long too.
0: Exactly, yeah right uh, and um, you know, speaking from experience working with you know, wildlife and having worked with wolves before it's totally true <laughs> they're not dogs. You you don't really train them and they kind of do whatever they want. So, um, well,
1: and a lot of times even our domestic pets are training us. <laughs>
0: totally, <laughs> so, totally.
1: Yeah. 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 Absolutely.
0: Um, so, so yeah, so we'll see what happens, but it seems like, again, the go backs are going to kind of be, um, kind of led under joint leadership with Ember and maybe Tier, kind of being, you know, e- e- Ember's, I don't know what the right word is. Like her, her general, if you will, um, you know, kind of leading the troops, which would be the gobacks. Um, because it, I get the sense, and you, I, I'm curious what you guys think about this, is that this this faction of gobacks is really kind of joining the Wolf Riders.
2: Mm-hmm. That's the sense I get. That they, they even talk about them being the
1: warriors defending the
2: father tree.
0: Right. Which, you well, know. and you go you ahead. have
1: elders that are just going to contribute to guiding them, you know, sitting back. And I'm not going to say the elders don't ever fight, but I think that they have the wisdom to slow down that hot, fiery blood that's wanting to go out and, and con- not conquer, but defend and fight.
0: Right, yeah. So it's a good
1: blending, good blending of that age and wisdom with the hearty
0: youth. Well, listen, I, I have one thing to say. If there is, is going to be a big showdown and a battle, I want to see... Tree stump with his axe out there and Clearbrook chopping heads off and Strongbow. <laughs> I don't care if they're elders. I want to see them, you know, get their their wolfish fight on. <laughs> <laughs> right? Don't you guys?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> I do, but I'm scared. Oh. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, got, I reflect back to I yeah, I reflect back to dream time and I'm like, yes, but Yeah. But uh, they'll defend, they'll fight fierce.
0: Right. Well, and Ember even says that a little bit later on when, you know, the goat, when later in the episode or the issue, um, and again, we'll talk about this um, when the elves are announcing, uh, or at least the Wolf Rider group, there uh, announcing whether or not they're going to stay or go, which is another one of the major developments in this, in this issue. Um, and Rayek actually says to Venka um, when Ember kind of tries to guide the gobacks into not just being total berserkers, um, and Reik says to Venka, like, hey, why, are you, why is she telling them what to do? Aren't you their chief? And that's when, again, Venka kind of acknowledges that she's passing the mantle to, to Tyr and to Ember. But, but that's pretty much what Ember's saying. You know, she's like, yes, we can fight, we can kill, but only to survive and to protect each other, you know, because that's the way. And that's what really makes that, that scene there is what really makes me think or, or, or understand that this, this group of gobacks is really kind of integrating with the Wolf Riders. Mm -hmm. you know which scott and Krim did and yun did and and kavi did even for a while but um it's kind of interesting because it's not just one or two elves right it's like i think what there's like a dozen of them so i mean there's Mm -hmm. as many of them as there are actual wolf riders and you know again this is one of those things that i'm not anticipating seeing that whole idea kind of play out how these two tribes merge into one within final quest but hey there is fodder for future elf West stories right there.
1: Well, and it makes me feel better when you look at that count um that panel right above it when those who are saying they're going to stay and I know I'm jumping ahead to that decision. I looked at that band and went, "Oh, it looks so small." But you bring home an excellent point. They're not really that small in numbers yeah. when you did, blend the tribes. Did you did you count them? No, did you? Yes. <laughs> I, mean, I, figured. It, I and figured. Okay, and
2: then I got a girl and I was like, in my notes, and we had to talk about that—that that panel of the Wolf Riders who are going is seventeen, which is how many Wolf Riders there were at the beginning of Original Quest. Totally. Going or staying? Staying.
0: Staying. staying yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm so yeah, glad stay, you brought that stay. up, Katie, because that's exactly what I was going to say too. So another little—all um, things come full circle, right? Mm-hmm. Although, here's a question. We see the Wolf Riders numbering seventeen, but that's not counting Cutter and Ember right. and Lita and Tear and, and Yeah. Right. So so if if we're gonna be if we're maybe gonna overanalyze this and you assume that Wendy and Richard deliberately chose, you know, seventeen elves to, to again bring everything full circle, does that mean that those other elves, Cutter, Lita, Tear, Ember, um, Venka, are not going to be staying
1: or are we not going to have the original 17 that said they were staying or that which i know is causing much angst and debate amongst all of us too
0: what like who's staying and who's going
1: well not staying but who's going to and i don't want to be all morbid but who if there's the Jun's men are coming in and there's a fight are we're not guaranteed everybody's going to survive
0: no no yeah
1: and so in the end, where the where will there be the seventeen?
0: I'm so so regretting that I even asked the question. I'm <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> because I didn't even think about that. Here I thought I was being all, well, what if Cutter, you know, does decide to go and now you're just like, or what if Wendy and Richard just kill off four other elves? Huh? What about that? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> I, you know, you, you, we analyze. I think we're all Virgos, at least on this podcast, right? I am. <coughs> no, nope, nope. I'm oh. a
2: Gemini, and 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 you know, you know, in the dream time, where half the people saw the pay, the fear and ominous, you know, half the you know the dreamers, and the other half, the immortals, um, saw things um, in a lighter vein. Um, yes. Um, I don't have that
1: foreboding. Worry. Yeah, I mean,
2: I, yes, I know. Anytime that there's battle scenes and and you know that we can lose some of our beloved characters, but um, I don't think that it's necessarily uh, has to be that that that's going to happen.
0: That some do. So. All right. Well, there's a there's a, a voice of hope. <laughs> it is.
1: It is, and I appreciate that.
0: So. So
2: the other thing in that panel, while we're on it, uh, of. The wolf riders who are staying, everybody except for two, maybe three, are all looking forward Mm -hmm. um, toward where Cutter and Lita and Manka and Brentir and you know all them are standing. Um, They're all looking forward, you know, addressing their answer to them. But and that includes Strongbow, but Dart and Free Touch. Are looking at Strongbow with concerned and and mournful eyes.
0: Mm-hmm. So... Their eyes are
2: different from yeah.
1: And that and that could go back to what David was saying. I mean, Strongbow's saying he'll stay, but that could change.
0: Well, and, and we now we we have to talk about this. We this is the you know again one of the the many big developments in this issue. You know, going back up to the beginning during Dart and Mender's party, um, we have this scene with Moonshade and Strongbow. And it's again, it's pretty significant, mm-hmm. right? So they're 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 talking, and Moonshade, you know, says like, "What don't we send anymore?" And you know, Strongbow says, "Well, now that things are the way that they are, maybe it's better for us to talk," which is like a total punch in the gut. But mm-hmm. and, and I'm curious what you guys think about this. You know, as that as that uh, conversation continues a few pages later. Well, we have this interlude, Scott and Krim show up and we get a flashback to their Dreamtime dream, which I want to analyze with you guys. But what how that ends is Strongbow basically, I think, kind of telling us, the reader, as he's telling Moonshade, that the reason he's been acting the way that he's been acting, at least, at, well, maybe not the whole reason, but he's he's owning that he is actually feeling guilty about Making Moonshade, making, forcing, those aren't the best words, but, you know, ha- having Moonshade having given up or, or repressed like, what her own heart wanted to make him happy, and that he's maybe at this stage of the game just realizing and, and feeling guilty about that, and that he's not rejecting her, like some of us thought when she, she changed and she used her palace magic and he like kind of freaked out and walked away. He's not rejecting her. He is feeling guilty about holding her back. And he's essentially letting her go and be free. That's how I read this. What about you?
2: That, that is definitely how I read it. And I also think it's interesting the way that Scott and Krim come to mentor right. Strongbow. When once upon a time Strongbow and Moonshade were mentoring Scott and Krim after their um, stolen cook fire and, and cooked food um, encounter with humans...
1: Yeah.
0: I
2: like that. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. A little role reversal on who's now doing the mentoring.
0: I, yes, I, I totally love that. And it, again, another kind of full circle kind of moment. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, they don't say, you know, they're not like Saba-esque wisdom, you know, they're, they're they're kind of typical go-backs and they're kind of, they just kind of like lay it out. But with that said, I, I want to know what you guys think about what they actually say because I am having a little trouble kind of really wrapping my mind around what their actual point is.
1: I am too. Well, I the way I took it, my interpretation originally was complete of uh, the dream was different than this. And now reading it is change comes and you want to run and hide, and you're letting fear overwhelm you. And this can this is I think they're speaking to Strongbow at this point. And they say, but that strength, what's in the he wolf and the she-wolf. What you give, everything that you're giving of yourselves to do for the pack, do it for each other.
0: Okay. That definitely helps.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because that's the part that I was a little bit confused about. Like but the the where Scott and Krim say what's in the he wolf and the she wolf is in you to do for the pack and for each other. That's where I was a little bit confused. But yeah, you're right. Because right before they're saying, you know, you want to run and hide, you want you know, fear closes in but see again, I get myself confused. Say that again, Lisa.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can, but let me try. It's. I, I think they're they're trying to address that. Strongbow has been. They might be using reverse psychology <laughs> at this point too, saying you 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 are so strong in in your beliefs, and you want to hold and and care for the the pack or the tribe or. Just live in the now, everything that you believe in. There's a lot of change whirling around them. I mean, even us as humans, and and we're like, wow, you know, look what's happening, you know, in Final Elf Quest. Some are going to want to run and hide and bury their heads in the sand, and others are going to want to embrace it like Moonshade did. She's grabbing that change and running with it. And for Strongbow, I think he was fighting against it for what, we're reading now 10, 12 years that Mm -hmm. he's been having time to adjust to this and and when they talk about that fears closing in like when he he walked away that was maybe fear or sadness but they're saying you have the strength in you that's always been there the strength to do what you've been doing for the pack and and holding on and honoring do that for each other love honor and do what's right right so she needs to live in the now of traveling in the stars release her yeah, and that's
2: that, it's that acceptance and, and living in the now. He's dwelling on the past, and that really isn't the way either. Right.
0: Exactly.
1: Yes, yes, I've thought that too.
0: All right, no, that definitely helps. I'm so glad I had you guys on. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then that scene ends with the sending, and I'm assuming it's between Strongbow and Moonshade. As Moonshade leaves in the palace pod, they say, love is always, living is always. And that's a really interesting thing to say too, like, if if they're coming to this acceptance that their paths have diverged, they're still acknowledging that their love is not going away. It's just their lives are going in different paths. But but for elves, living is always. And so, you know, even maybe acknowledgement that even if they spend the next few thousand years, you know, eventually their spirits can can be together again.
1: Right. Right right that might be my new tattoo now that you say that (laughs) love is always living is always yeah i like that
0: and again a pretty major plot development here i mean this is could be the fruition of of this whole storyline you know they seem to be accepting where things are and again the issue ends or almost ends with strongbow who actually looks positive saying you know i'm gonna stay
1: and the children are looking to him that a big change for them too but i think they had already accepted the difference between their parents.
0: Yeah, i think they learned all
2: along about how oh, Strongbow in particular is taking it.
0: Yeah, i think it's less about what dart and free touch um are that their own feelings about what's happening with Strongbow and Moonshade, you know, when they're looking at Strongbow there and more about their concern over his well-being, you know, like is he really cool with this? Is he yeah, you know, this is a big moment where we're kind of announcing our decisions and is he going to have a breakdown you know they they probably don't know that he had this interaction with moonshade a minute ago or however earlier ago that was and so i think that's what that look is all about they're just like oh my god is he gonna break and and if you look at strongbow's face he's totally cool
2: yep there's a bowstring in a (laughs) snap
0: right exactly yeah and I, i i don't think anybody can blame them so let's, let's, let's go right into like the big mega whopper of this issue. And that is Cutter and Lita recognizing again. Oh my God.
1: The art, the, uh, oh, the art.
2: <laughs> and what a treat. Cause you know, when they recognized before, we just got to see them, you know, walking up, you know, the bridge of destiny. We didn't get to see, All that glorious, wonderful, beautiful ecstasy and yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) And you know what's different about this? Thank you, Wendy. (laughs) (laughs) We are such you know little voyeurs when it comes to all of this, and I'm unapologetic about it. Yeah, I'm
2: not (laughs) blushing at all. Yeah, yeah, no, no. And and not only that, but there's the intimacy and the tenderness and the passion and the ecstasy, and it's it's all there. You know, one panel after another. So it's not even that we're just being voyeurs. It's not just about the sex. It's about the whole... Joining the whole... The thing. whole yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: There's one part in here that I thought, because it's been insinuated that healers have skills, besides helping induce recognition and giving everybody the fuzzies or whatever <laughs> they're feeling... But the one panel, when Lita's talking to Cutter and saying, I could devour you, beloved, and he says, go ahead, let me be one with your blood and bones, what flickered through my head is, ooh, can she do that? Can she make him feel what she's feeling? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, how do they get anything done?
0: <laughs> well, that's where the term nut, nut mash. Mash comes from. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. Oh, my gosh
0: yeah and you know the other thing that's neat about this is um, it's obviously you know dripping with passion and there is a level of eroticism to it and you know Katie, like you were just saying it's 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 at the same time all about this like deep love and it just mm-hmm. kind of so comes through in all of this and all of these panels so beautifully but at the same time it's still totally kind of in that PG 13 range so totally
2: total. yeah. Yeah,
0: you know, I just think that's neat that Wendy and Richard, you know, can do that still, um, and so and, artfully. Yeah, and like stick to their their vision with that, you know, and not go, you know, push it into a lot more explicit stuff just because maybe in modern times, and I'm making air quotes, uh, that's what's cool. More air quotes um, that they're kind of keeping ElfQuest, you know, in, in the vision that they want it to be um, as far as that stuff goes. So I thought that was kind of cool. Absolutely. One other thing, speaking of their first recognition, that is different here, that yes. really jumped out to me. Yes. Well, actually, it didn't jump out to me. Like, the third or fourth time that I read this in the last three hours <laughs> it, 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 it is when it actually jumped out at me. So, they're, they're Cutter and Lita are dancing, everybody's partying, and then, you know, she says his soul name. And... Yep. And he says, is it? And she just says, yes. And he says, you want? And she says more than anything. Yes. And so at first I was like, wait, uh, what's happening, right? The thing that's different this time, you know, the next page you kind of learn that it's recognition, is unlike the first time where Cutter really didn't give Lita a choice, right? He just kind of snatched her up and ran off with her. Um, yep, and that's and that the really biggest, is,
2: That's the biggest thing out of these pages for me is yeah,
0: the choice. Totally. All right, so we'll talk about that, that.
2: Yeah. And, and the tears that, brimming in
1: her eyes as she says more than anything.
0: Right. Well, and
1: is that the first time his soul name's been yes. said since he came running back? Yep. I went through to double check
2: because I was pretty sure it was, but yep, it is.
0: Okay. Which makes total yes. sense that <laughs> at this point, you know, she she's using it. So um mm-hmm. and and my a total favorite thing in this issue is this the the panel on that next page there where they're you know sort of post having fun and um, and Cutter brings up to me. and Lita mm-hmm. who looks like she's still kind of basking in the afterglow. Dude you know, just says <laughs> no. She sends no. Explain nothing. I'm feeling my way through it. I'm getting chills over that, and I really can't articulate exactly why, but it's just so what elf quest is about and it's these two people who who know each other's souls and they're so um, in tune with each other that they don't need to have everything explained they can feel their way through it and they might not get everything exactly in one easy to digest here it is but that's okay my mind is still processing this and I'm sure later I'll have even more to say about it, but this was the most powerful panel in this issue. And frankly, it all felt this for me. One of them anyway.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and his response too. then whatever Tam cutter is to you, let me be just that.
0: Yeah. It's like total acceptance with your, with your mate. And, and it's like, imagine what the real world would be like if we humans were able to be like that.
1: It's faith. It's you guys are articulating it much better because I was running in circles around my kitchen island (laughs) with this going. It's you're saying it's it's so beautiful, but it's I'm like, wow, that's just so incredibly and it sounds corny, but deep.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, with soulmates, it always has been the very deepest level of intimacy because they really are bearing their souls. But these panels take that even to a higher level than we've seen before, even though we we kind of know that that's what it is. The, the complete soul connection.
0: Yeah. So the next on the next page, they continue this conversation. And it sounds like Cutter is giving Lita permission to go. You know, he, the, 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 the last part of the sentence that you were just saying, Katie, he says, mm-hmm. let me be just that. And then you turn the page and it says, until you go. And Lita's like, go. Mm -hmm. And Cutter, you know, this is an interesting juxtaposition with Strongbow and Moonshade. That Cutter is so willing to let Lita go to the stars, if that's what she really wants, without any of the angst. And, you know, he says, I'm not Mm -hmm. me, totally me when we're apart, but that's for me to worry about. So if you want to go, you have that freedom to do that. And she's like oh, you silly young thing, I'm not leaving you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is really (laughs) sweet. Which
2: brings us to, yeah, yes, it is. And that's, and and still with him giving her freedom, which we get from the moment of recognition you want, always asking what she wants, and yeah, that that absolute freedom.
0: Yeah, well, and and what's neat about that too is that, um, you know, if you take recognition, the idea of it at, at you know a very very base face value without really kind of understanding the story or anything like that you know you, you you could say well this is this really awful thing and conscripting people into marriages that they don't want and and that kind of thing which again if you actually know anything about elfquest that is just so wrong but this whole I mean, all of this, you know, even Strongbow and Moonshade, the way that their story has played out here, but in particular, this interaction with Cutter and Lita, in the moments of recognition, really is just so so powerfully demonstrates that that's not what it's about at all, and that there there is choice and there is freedom, and it's it's all there, and it's a you know this this idea of recognition is so much more than just. Oh well, no, now you guys have to have to get married, you know. <laughs>
2: right.
0: I love that. Um, I also loved the the way that this whole scene ends here, where you know, Lita is saying, "No, I'm not going anywhere. I'm with you for life."
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What do you guys like? Did, I don't know if that stood out to you or not. The emphasis that I'm with you for life. Mm-hmm. You know, he's she's bringing his hand up to her belly. You know, which to me is indicating that. They were very efficient, and they got the job done. <laughs> Reputation <laughs> is fulfilled. Um, but what does that mean? Like, what about afterlife?
1: No, I don't. I don't know because the scene before that, when he's talking about, because he did talk about the notches and cutting them into the tree. It's just mm-hmm. it's how it feels, and he he sounds actually really tired. Even though she's talking about how young they are, he's talking about how old he feels. And I thought that was a nod to, well, he probably already felt old just because of all the responsibilities and all the cloak of everything he's carried Mm -hmm. and the separation and everything like that. But now that part of his mind that's open (laughs) to, to and feeling all the weight of those years, is she just bringing the focus back to, Hey, I'm going to stay here. And we're, we're living.
0: I think what she, you know, she, she's saying like, Alita's comment is in response to cutter saying like you can go to the stars and Mm -hmm. she's like listen we're still young you know we're like five six hundred years old we're like you know barely into our 20s in in human years and so Mm -hmm. like there's so much more life to live and that's when you know cutter's response is how old you are has less about the actual age of years that you've lived and more about what your life feels like after all of your life experiences, but he, you know, he does say, "I feel all of my time, even the mountains age. I slept under the two moons." I wonder if he's partially also feeling Timane's time.
2: Yeah, I think with the emphasis on all, and and that he had taken the conversation to the oneness with Timane. You know, just moments before that, I, I do think he means all of the combined time. Yeah.
0: And I don't think anybody can blame him for feeling that way since it's, he's like, you know what? Six billion years old.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And even if it was just the time that he had lived in the cutter skin, that's still over 10,000 years with the time that he slept. So
1: either way, it's a tremendous amount of time that he feels. Well, and then maybe that's why she's saying, I'm here. I'm with you for life. Maybe that's a bringing him back full circle to the now which is and, and that's sure, yeah. that's how I took
2: it. Yes, that we're going to live. We're going to live. The Cubs going to live. It's going to be a life.
0: You know, again, as as we're getting close to the end, a final quest. I mean, frankly, if that is if, if it ended right here with this page, I would be I would get such a deep sense of satisfaction out of it. At least mm-hmm. for Cutter and Lita. Yes. Yes, right? Okay. All right. Yeah. I like the emphatic yeses and response there. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel like I know, like I'm like I'm getting it right. If you guys both feel that strongly about it too, yeah. so yeah. Um,
2: as much as this, the the um, separation of Strongbow and Moonshade pains me, separation of Lita and Cutter would cut me to the quick. I mean, that would just be having them together is just the way it's supposed to be.
1: Right. Well, and really, now that you say that, has anybody even discussed that on any of the forums or boards or Facebook? Nobody's ever really questioned that, have they?
0: whether or not they, one of them is going to go versus stay. Yeah. I don't think I've seen anybody really speculating about that so much as people speculating about, is one of them going to die?
1: Yeah, right, that's, that's what true. I've seen. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's partially why I was curious about the emphasis in Lita's last comment there that I'm with you for life. Is that a clue? More... Is that a hint? Is that a red herring? You know, like, is, is Lita going to die? Is Cutter going to die?
1: I like our summary, and okay. I'm going to go with it until... <laughs> yes, until let's stop. Next, <laughs> yeah, let's just stop there until the next issue. <laughs> yes, I,
0: I think that's very, very sage advice before we ruin this beautiful moment. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. All right, well, this speaking, is just
2: such a wonderful feel-good page. I'm just going to keep feeling good about yeah. it, and that's all there is to it.
0: Speaking of wonderful moments, and feel-good, maybe not so much for the character, but for the reader, we get to see Rayek reflecting. On himself and, and another great full circle example that I'm just realizing in you know contrast to the very beginning of Elfquest when Cutter and Lita recognize and Ray freaks out and, and acts in all of the worst ways that he can act. Here, not only do we have Cutter and Lita recognize again, but it's done with full acceptance and and, and, and asking for for permission between Cutter and Lita. Mm-hmm. It, it, just the same, Rayek's response here is the total opposite of what his response was the first time they recognized, where he basically is, instead of having a knee-jerk reaction and acting like a jerk and everything else that Rayek is so good at doing, he's actually having this quiet, reflective moment, and not only is he having a quiet, reflective moment, but he's admitting his like That's worst biggie. foibles, right? Like His, his worst like yep. his self-centeredness and his self-pity... And all of these things that have led him to do all of the 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 worst of things that he has done. And he's just kind of acknowledging it, you know, saying the pain yeah. I felt was for me, not for anybody else. Yeah. And he's owning it. Which
2: which which back to original quest, um, the trial of hand, hand and heart, when he failed on heart because and you know, and didn't recognize his greatest fear of, you know, losing and, and always being the, you know, the preeminent. He's starting to cross his bridge of destiny, which Has
1: taken thousands of years.
0: Right. Right. Yeah.
1: (laughs) There's hope for everybody if we can live that long. Yeah, we can live that long. Exactly.
0: I know they have that up on us, right? Um, But yeah, no, that's really fascinating. I didn't actually think about the bridge of destiny, but yeah, if you go back to that scene um, and that whole storyline, there, you know, at the end of the day, you know, what does Sava say? Like Ray's biggest fear, Cutter's fear was of heights, but Ray's fear was Mm what born of you know in himself, and that is the fear of of losing and not being first in all things. And right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. What a, what a, what a, what a crazy transformation in a good way.
1: Now, I just noticed this while we got, we're got talking about it and going back to the art in the same scene. Look at the way Chitter's looking at him in that scene, too. Oh, my God, totally, yeah.
0: totally. <laughs> Chitter is us. like I, I, We are Chitter. Oh, sorry, Chitter.
1: free touch, free, free touch.
0: Right, free touch. How easy we slip back into the old name. Yes. I mean, she's totally well, all of us. Especially
1: when she has that look on her
2: face. Yeah, totally.
0: And I don't even think, I got to zoom in on this here, because I don't think she's looking at Rick. I think she's breaking, yeah, she's totally breaking, what is it, the fourth wall? And she's looking at us because <laughs> chitter or Free yep. Touch's reaction is our reaction. We're all like, Ooh, oh my gosh! They yeah. <laughs> They're gonna get it on, <laughs> and it couldn't be more perfect. <laughs> That's
2: true. I hadn't thought of that. I had neither. You're totally right.
0: And it's so tiny and subtle. I actually didn't even write it down in my my list of things that I wanted to talk about because it is so. I did see it, but I forgot to even. I forgot even that it happened, and so I just. I love it. I love it.
1: I do too. Yeah, so awesome. I'm so glad you pointed that out because I <laughs> I was just sitting here looking at it and I'm like, he's grown so much and I'm like, and what is Chitter thinking? Or free touch. Right.
0: <laughs> She's thinking what she always thinks.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh um, absolutely.
1: <laughs> she does her potential mind, doesn't
0: she? <laughs> hey, another thing on this page that we talked about it a little bit already, but I think it's also really nicely done on this page is is again the colors. Those, mm-hmm. those sunset colors, those <clears throat> you know early fall colors, that warm you know kind of glow going on. Especially if you yep, look at the... the bottom of the page and um, with the panels with with raik and um, Winkin,
2: and the twilight colors of the sky and the yeah. golden gloaming on the flesh, and
0: yeah, yeah totally. I, I really like that, and also really can see Wendy's the the, the manga influence really shining through in that top panel. Uh, yes, the, close of the, the eyes. Yeah, like those are total. Yeah. Total anime eyes, and it's like a perfectly used effect there. Because, as um, Katie, I think you said it—you know, the tears welling and just the liquid, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of ethereal eyes that these elves have—it really comes through there with that that kind of style that Wendy has chosen for that panel. So, really neat. I'm just looking. Okay, so we got
2: to go back a page to the other big moment. Oh, okay, so there's there's lots of them, but we we missed a good one. Yes. Yes, we did. All right. And speaking of Golden Glow...
0: Oh, yes.
1: (laughs) I love her outfit. I just have to say that.
0: All right, well, you got to tell everybody who we're talking about.
2: Okay, so we are talking about Audrey and Two Edge.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
1: Some fan dreams being fulfilled right here.
0: (laughs) Totally, right? (laughs) And, and and you know what's so great about that is, um, you know, it's like totally been hinted at. It's not a secret that this is really going to kind of play out. And it does not matter one mm-hmm. bit. It's like so still so delicious and light and you know I mean yes Two Edge is a little bit of a tragic character but this whole storyline with him is really kind of a feel-good storyline and I again just love that in these earth-shattering you know kind of story arcs of are they gonna stay or are they gonna go Cutter being you know the one with Timane and all of that stuff right we have this like beautiful little I don't want to call it a high school romance but it has a little bit of that element so it's just really sweet and (laughs) nice and Dang it, two edge deserves a hug and he deserves, you know more than just a pass a passing glance, right? So yes,
2: yes, more than just a, a, an odd wrangle.
0: Right, right. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, well, and, and like you said, that it wasn't completely out of left field. Audrey has been treating two edge with kindness and, and seeing him as a person. Even here, you know, you only rhyme when you're upset. Mm-hmm. What is it? I'm taking it back to issue 10, it's not even just kindness and generosity. It's, it's a, an identifying with the pain that he feels. In issue 10, she said, because I know what it is to yearn for one who chooses to fly elsewhere.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. I've lived
2: a long time too, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I really love that line um, because, yeah, you got to remember that Audrey is every bit of you know, at least 15,000 years old, right? If not older. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, mm-hmm. she's no spring chicken. Two Edge can't be that much older than her. And relatively speaking, the differences in their ages are probably, you know, even if he's a few thousand years older than her, you know, I know it's a very human way of looking at it, but, you know, they're pretty much of an age. And so, right. you know, Two Edge trying to pull this, like, <laughs> you know, lonely pout and woe is me. And she's, you know, she kind of really gently and sweetly deflected that back in that issue, in that scene. And, you know, again, it's kind of coming full circle um, mm-hmm. where she's kind of, you know, she's reaching out and, you know, she's, you know, I'm just thinking as I'm saying this, that um, this is exactly what Venka was saying she couldn't do. There was no right. You know, answering. Right, no answering flame. Right, and, mm-hmm. and, and Audrey is this, you know, this this bright, glowing flame. That's kind of reaching out to, to, to meet with right. two edges. Yeah. And the coloring,
1: and the coloring on her reflects that. She's so light and yeah, bright right. in these panels.
0: Yeah. yeah and, like, and even
1: the
2: language of both goes back with, you know, uh, Venka with there's no um, answering, you know, flame or no, no flame will ignite, you know, your touch. And this time it's, um, you know, two edge saying yet I too burn with this fire. So the the language yeah. ties back. Also,
0: I didn't even pick that up either. But yeah, yeah, and and Audrey even says, you know, when she's talking about the power of Mender and Lita when they're all fired up, um, mm-hmm. how that kind of gets all the elves turned on and sparks recognitions and all that. She even uses that yep. too. She says their shared aura yep. sets us all aflame. So right, yeah. Well, good on you, Two Edge.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and the look on his face is just priceless.
0: <laughs> yeah, love so it. it'll be really interesting to see what happens when Two Edge actually receives love and affection. Because that's the thing. Do we he's... get
2: to see the morning after? <laughs> right.
0: You know? I, mean... <laughs> I I hope so. I mean, I hope we get to see Two Edge get a little measure of peace and happiness. If not, yeah you know, I don't expect mm-hmm. him to totally you know become somebody new and different and transform completely or whatever. but you know sometimes it's nice when when good things happen to people, even if they are imperfect,
2: right especially when they're imperfect because yeah. who isn't
0: right And you know, I say good on you too edge, but also good on you, Audrey, too for being yes. such a brilliant example of what you know what Wendy and Richard have set up in this in this society of peoples who really don't see differences the way that we do in this in this real world and don't um you know don't have those same prejudices that we do and lord knows here in the real world we've got our fair share of them on everything from you know skin color to religion to ethnicity all of that stuff you know are all things that separate us and and wendy and richard have created these people who who really don't let that bother them at least not most of them win a will right um you know (laughs) and um and the fact that it's just audrey can can just so freely and effortlessly kind of again share her herself in in a way with this you know being who isn't quite like her um without any second thought or qualm or whatever is is so beautiful
2: it is
1: the whole page is just golden i love it
0: yeah golden that's the word
1: yes Yep. Her flirtatious eyes and, uh <laughs> Yeah, and the glint of
2: gold in her earrings and the star on, you know, the breast of her body. Everything is just gold. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, a golden moment in
1: appearances and in symbolism. You know, you know.
0: Absolutely. He'd be a
1: fool. He'd be a fool to turn that down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know. It makes you wonder what he saw in Venka in the first place, you know?
1: Right. Right. And I love Anda, well, but you
0: know, she's a little aloof. And so she's cool. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Yep. Yep.
2: His, his Ice Maiden and and this is his rock shaped girl. Right. Yep. yep. <laughs> and fire. Yeah. Yes. Right. And the forge and yeah.
0: Alright. So let's go back to Rayek, because you know, coming out of the, the cutter and lead to recognition scene and Rayek's kind of reflection, um, he Rayek is, is an elf of action right and so he's not going to sit there and brood too long he's going to go into action so he you know he says to winkin hey let's go make some trouble for these junsmen and winkin's like all right as long as you agree to keep winnowill you know under wraps like i think we can you know go do something and so it takes them 2 days to fly from the holt to where this camp of junsmen are and they play some tricks, and they set the horses free, and um, I thought it was really kind of um, cool to see Rayek show the restraint and instead of blasting everybody, just, you know, stealing their guns and then learning that
2: mm-hmm. it yes. takes
0: a while for the guns to reload. I have a feeling that that is going to come back into play at some point, that little bit of knowledge that they gained, that they can't just, it's, a, it's not like a, an automatic weapon. It's, it takes mm-hmm. them five minutes to No continuous to fire, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, just a fun action scene, and we keep the plot of the Junsman and the impending danger of the Junsman happening in an issue where there's a ton of stuff happening, but it's not necessarily your traditional comic book, you know, fight scene. Um, this 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 little scene has a little bit of that action and drama and you know, traditional comic kind of stuff in there, which I thought was kind of neat too.
2: Yeah, and it's still. In that light and fun, um, happy tone of the overall tone of of the issue, certainly has its sad moments. But right, um, yeah. I kind of and, thought of it
1: as boys counting coup. They're sneaking in there and seeing yes, what they could do yes. <laughs> and get out without getting caught. Yep, um, totally the definition of counting coup. Yep.
0: Yeah, but and you know you're you're right about that too. It does have a maybe a more lighthearted feel to it. Um, I mean, this is not the battle with guttled Cross troll warriors this is not you know the 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 murder and rape of of one of the insect people that we saw in the last issue um, right you right know, i mean of definitely can d- dive into the real dark places but this you're right kind of is in the more you know still serious and still again kind of Reminds us of this this danger that's coming, but it's in light it's in it's in line with the lightheartedness of the rest of the issue, which is kind of awesome.
1: Now I have Although, an ominous feeling about how lighthearted it is. The guns, okay, dumping <laughs> dumping <laughs> the guns though in the water that that for me was I don't know. That's such a silent paddle. And when you say ominous, I look at that. The guns at the bottom. Is that all it is?
0: Well, I think I mean, how are they going to get those guns? Well, back? no.
1: They're not, they're not, but it, I don't know. Maybe I'm overanalyzing now.
2: No, there's more guns and we don't, com- yeah. But but with the loss of the guns and the loss of the powder wagon, that's a pretty significant loss for any, shall we say, medieval army.
0: Totally, yeah. yeah. No, and I think that is, is something that really bears calling attention to because what Rake and Winken are achieving here is... Well, I'll put it this way. I mentioned the Guttlecraw War, the first war with the trolls. I really don't think that Wendy and Richard are gonna retread what we've already seen and done in Elfquest. Like I think that there is gonna be, you know, some fighting and some, you know, some battles or whatever, but I really don't think that in these last four issues, like there's that's gonna be big reveal kind of thing you know again like in a traditional right. comic book it's like you know your heroes get into a big fight and they bash each other and they almost lose and then they beat the villain and everybody's happy and I just don't really see that happening here and what's this scene with Ray and Winken I feel like maybe is setting the groundwork for that like by the time the humans get to the elves they're going to mm-hmm. be there is going to be conflict and fighting but I feel like a lot of their fang might be taken out at that point. Um, so that that fight scene that's going to happen again, it, it has its appropriate place within the greater story arc of final quest where it's not, this isn't, this is not a story arc in elf quest. That's about, you know, swords and guns and fighting. It's about much bigger things. At least that's my take.
2: Uh, That's my take too. And I, I think Wendy even touched on that on Facebook a little bit today, um, there were people, you know, wondering geographically where the Landers are right now. And she said far away, far, far away from Father Tree. So that makes me think that, kind of, four issues, how far can they travel? Right, are they going to get there? armies don't move fast.
0: Right. Well, but again, we get a clue because it does say it takes Cutter, or it takes Reik and Winken two, two days, basically, to fly from the Holt. And we know that they could fly right, faster. Right, But this
2: is an advanced party, not the main bulk of the, of the army. Right. Wendy said that too. So,
0: yeah. yeah. So we, we shall see. But, um, yeah, we'll see. I don't really have anything else to say about that.
2: <laughs> yeah. And a two days flight for speedy, two. strong, magic users yeah, like yeah. them is a great distance.
0: So, yeah. I mean, I think probably it would take twice that long on foot for say the wolf riders and then Mm -hmm. you throw in you know an army of humans of whatever the math is a hundred and something you know human warriors with carts and guns Mm -hmm. and horses and slaves and you know it's going to take them much longer than that to finally get to where the hold is and you know they don't know exactly where it is either so right right and even they even talk
2: about the main bulk of the army still being on the shore of the vast deep sea so that's a long ways off
0: right Although yeah. I got, I, I kind of felt like what they were saying there was that that group was going to stay to set up a permanent camp in Icehold. And it was the ones that Ray and Winkin encountered were the warriors that were going to wipe out you know, the Father Tree. That's how I read that, that those other humans would not be really part of the fight. But I don't know. Did you guys read that differently?
2: Mm, I just read this as an advance party, like a scouting...
0: Oh, there, it is. What right, he says right. is, you okay. say
2: they say um, number eight, eight times three. Yes. yes. And thereabouts, many more stayed with the black ships to set up permanent camps beside the vast deep
0: water. So, right, and then and then they say, then this horde was chosen to bring their fire spitter weapons and death to Cutter's halt. So that's why I was I'm interpreting that as, like, this is... This is the warriors. These are the warriors that were sent oh, yeah. you know to you know eight, eight, eight times three. That's who's been picked to go decimate and wipe out the Final Tree Halt. And the rest of them are back guarding the ships and they're setting up a permanent camp, which I think is also noteworthy um, mm-hmm. for yes. the future, which again I'm not anticipating we're really gonna see that in Final Quest, but you know, this idea of you know people from one continent coming and colonizing another. That might be a kind of a nod at that, and again, in the real world we know how that turned out. So it's yeah, kind of and, ominous. And they've,
2: and they've addressed that too in, in Final Quest, where you know Shen Shen wants to visit Old Magady to gather herbs to um, deal with the sickness that they are sure to bring with them. Right, and we know they're conquering the um, tribes of this continent, the you know the insect people and others. So it, may, it might be. More of a problem for the humans on this continent than the elves on this continent.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, that's not light either. But <laughs> um, <laughs> no. So, well, this scene ends with uh, Winkin swiping the torch and flinging it into the cart, not realizing that the cart is filled with gunpowder, and blows the whole shebang up. <laughs> and then Raik has this moment of weakness where he almost lets Winowil out in his rage, and I loved this too because Winkin was like. Are you sure you're gonna be able to keep her under control? And Ray is like just looks at him and he's like, Are you sure? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And Ray is like, uh, okay, thanks. And you know, he settles down. And Um, that
2: thanks is another indication of
1: Rayek's growth. Totally. He can, you know. Yeah, because before he would have you know, I I appreciate that the rage he feels at protecting his own, because it's after Winkin gets injured. And he's right. like, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to avenge you. And he's able to temper that down with Winkin's help. He's yeah. Just, he's, it's a new leaf. He's scratching that surface of self-discovery and awareness. And I'm hoping it holds.
0: Yeah. You know, it, 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 it feels like an analogy for an addict, with yeah. Winkin playing yeah. the role of the sponsor, I guess, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. And because really, I mean, it's it's like Ray gets gets drunk on power, and 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 his sense of righteousness, and uh-huh. he thinks that that's noble. Like I'm going to protect my fellow elves, but mm-hmm. he loses sight of everything else, and you know the ends justify the means, and he does horrible things um, because he's addicted to the power. And this scene was kind of neat in that, you know, Winkin kind of is, is this, is this, again, this kind of a grounding presence, which is ironic since they're both flying. But, um, <laughs> you know, so I, 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 yeah, I just thought that was noteworthy.
1: And he's always <laughs> maybe going to need a sponsor. Is he?
0: Well, if you, you know, we know what happens to Rayek at least in the big right. picture. Um, Although I have to say, I am so pleasantly surprised or maybe not surprised, but so pleased with how Wendy and Richard have dealt with Raik over the course of Final Quest. Because if you had asked me at the beginning, you know, oh, Raik's going to be in this. And I would have, I kind of was just like, oh, okay, so Raik will kind of, you know, he'll play kind of a semi-villain role here and he'll move the story forward. But not much is really going to be able to happen with him. And I was so, so wrong. And I'm so happy about it. I mean, Reg has really truly transformed into that elf that we see in the, the rogue's of curse stories, mm-hmm. particularly the ones that, that Wendy and Richard told directly. Where you see this almost serene character who doesn't have he's not rash anymore. And now, because of Final Quest, we know why. His acceptance mm-hmm. of, you know, loving Winniwal and um and what that means, and just the humbling effect that's had on him.
2: Yeah. Well, and how, when he becomes enraged, um, what effect that has on her as well?
0: Right. It wakes her up.
2: Well, and besides waking her up, it doesn't. It, it, the way in which it wakes her up. So. In what
0: sense? Like the way it, like, that it wakes her up, well, and she's like, "Let's let's go, you know, destroy things."
2: Yeah. And, and destroy things in the way that inflicts the utmost pain. Because she's not just about killing. She's about inflicting pain.
1: Right. Well, she finds pleasure in no love. She's not... Yeah. Here's the story about acceptance, change, love, and she's not that. She yeah, enjoys... The loveless one. Exactly. She enjoys where she's decided to be. Right. I don't want to say evil. It's just without love. And hey, let's get off on this and causing pain.
0: Right. Yeah, she gets pleasure not out of love and connection. She gets pleasure out of, well, very similar to Ray, out of using her power. And her power Mm -hmm. in particular has to do, you know, is this ability to cause pain. And so Mm -hmm. she's like, I don't need love because I can do this. And that, you know, the fact that I have rejected love and feel good things, um, and then I can then in turn inflict that upon others in the form of this painful, horrible magic that I have is like totally thrilling to her at this stage in her character. You know, I mean, I don't think that was always the case. I think it was the case in a much smaller degree back in Blue Mountain um, Mm -hmm. when she was more damaged goods than, um, than what she turned into, where she actually actively kind of healed herself of all of that, but but then instead of taking the step into the light, she chose the other direction and deliberately chose to be what she's become, which is you know really loveless and and um, you know a pain giver and and all of that. So again, another character that has gone through a significant, I would say, character development and and change, but in a really kind of bad way.
1: Yep. she's self aware and totally fine with it.
0: Right. And that's what makes her even more chilling than, again, back when she was in Blue Mountain. And she was still trying to, like, do what was right for the elves and save them and take them off into space, you know, back to the home. Because let's not forget, that's what Winnowell was trying to do. She was trying right. to do exactly mm-hmm. what, you know, Skywise is, is doing right now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I think, was it Sava that said something like, "Your you know, your, your ideas aren't bad, it's how you're going about doing them? <laughs> Um,
2: right, but, right.
0: But now, Winna Will is to give a rat's ass about that. She'd be perfectly happy to just blast everybody into oblivion and, you know, take the power of the palace for herself. And Which, by the way, leads me to, to Dor, who does not make an appearance in this yes. issue, but I, I really wonder what he's got up his sleeve.
2: Yeah, well, when we last saw him, his his plan had been to obtain the little palace and use it to stop the big palace from flying. Right. So, yeah, and that was last issue. We don't see him at all this issue. So there's that black cloud hanging too.
0: Right. Yeah, we have the human approach, the humans approaching. We've got door approaching and those are the two big sort of in your face kind of threats, but I feel like again there's probably going to be lots more smaller, subtle, emotional, spiritual threats. That are going to play out in in a bigger way mm-hmm. in Final Quest, um, so we'll see.
2: Well, and if if they pack as much into the next four issues as they did <laughs> in this one, then a yeah. tremendous amount of of events can take place. Absolutely, and, and well, not just not just action events, but deep spiritual events. I mean, this issue, every single. Panel of every single page um, had so much content and meaning to it. But
0: yeah, well, I, Wendy
1: said, buckle in.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> oh. yeah, why would you call it a roller coaster, right? So, yes. um, no, I agree. I mean, this, you yeah, know, this is a, a, a great, another perfect example of an issue that, by I, what, what I don't know, what I would call by traditional comic book standards not a lot happens and again i'm making air quotes um you know in terms of having like a big explosive battle or you know some earth-shattering drama like a lot of what happens here is you know smaller dramas and action scenes that um that kind of move the plot forward but the big things have nothing to do with that kind that type of of action or drama you know it's not again a big battle scene it's it's a dramatic moment oh, between Cutter
2: f- and Lita Was pretty earth shattering for me,
0: right? Me <laughs> too, uh, but you it's know what I'm saying, right?
2: Possible.
1: Yeah, no,
0: but it, again, it's not but, like it's not like Kavi chopping off cross head.
1: No, you know, no, it's a but every page, kind of, right? It was like, oh my god, turn the page. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: and it's still, it.
1: it Every page, because we're still not there's a couple things we haven't even gone over, and yes, I'm still don't. there. Are.
0: <laughs> well, well, let's let's do that. I want to...
2: little things along the way, too, that you know are parts of the little you know the big things, but
0: right, and yeah. that's kind of my point, too, you know, like like free touch breaking the fourth wall and looking at us, right? I mean, mm-hmm. just pure gold, yes. Um, all right. Well, let's. I there. There's two, two, two more things that I have on my list. I don't know if um, if you guys have anything else, but the first one is we got to talk about the trolls and those misfit trolls and their their mender <laughs> makeover is pretty delicious. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yummy.
2: Mm-hmm. All
0: right. So, so who wants to talk about trinket? <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, the mender bones should never have a mate.
0: I know, of, oh, of course she's referring and, to, and to Dart
2: Yes, who's, who's just, you know, standing with his back turned to her but kind of like this kind of kind of smug but kind of annoyed at the same time sort of look on his face that yeah. is just so Dart and yet so perfect for the moment but well, but it's a happy Dart, it's a smug Dart, it's a Dart I like to see Yeah, wow,
0: because Dart got the goods and Trinket don't
2: <laughs> nerdy, nerdy, nerdy.
0: <laughs> no but it's so great because you know trinket's like yeah but the palace is gonna fly away soon and then she doesn't even say it under her breath she gives dart the stink eye and says it should take someone here with it yes.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> which is just beautifully trollish and totally in character and but, classic trinket. Right. yes but yeah. even princess trinket wins out in the end because oh, yeah. we get to see that Mender shaped one of the misfit trolls who had a big old crush on Trinket, but was too embarrassed to say anything to her. You know, he's got some, yeah, you know, wavy blonde curls, like a certain elf that we might also know to sport that look that Trinket just might happen to have a decades long crush on. And so <laughs> somebody's <laughs> going to come up with a name for this troll. Like, I don't know, I'm not creative enough to do it, but he's there's gotta be some kind of fun name for this guy because it's just too good.
1: Well, and he's got sexy bumps. So he's not too mm. bad looking. Yeah. No. Yeah. no.
0: <laughs> I like sexy bumps. I think we should just call him sexy bumps. <laughs> sexy bumps. <laughs> sexy bumps the troll. Uh,
2: <laughs> but my favorite fun.
0: my favorite part of this whole little endeavor was um, when Mender is about to reveal that, you know, he shaped this troll in his own image for, well, for the troll's sake, because he, he wanted Mender to do it, but also for Trinket. And Mender is laying it on so thick with Trinket and Dart <laughs> yes. in the background is like, you are so full of zoot dung-like, mate. Yes. It's just perfect.
2: Yes, Dart's background expressions. <laughs> and yeah, again, awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what else in the scene? We Smothering
2: got this- a laugh. Yeah. Right. Well, the first Kilmore troll who uh, has now undergone some healing and it looks bright eyed and alert and no longer has the whole weight of the world and
0: Yeah, and he looks happy.
2: And and he is planning to return to the Star Home. So he you know, he's among those planning to go which means he has to trust the elves to once again board the palace ship.
0: Right. And what's really interesting about his comment here is it's, you know, it's sort of a passing comment in, and it's directly tied to, you know, what's going on in this scene, right? The scene is all about Mender using his healing powers to fix the misfit trolls and heal them of their sores and their, their misshapen bodies and misshapen thoughts and, and restore them to actual Hardy and Hale trolls. And the, the fact that the first Kermit troll is commenting on how great the elves' magic is and how useful yes. it can be is so mm-hmm. significant, right? Because he just spent the last 10,000 years and, and however much longer on the palace resenting the elves for their magic. And so he's made a total 180 as far as, as that attitude goes. So that's kind of neat Worth. to see, too. And um, I just, I love, I've always loved the interactions between the elves and the trolls. And in particular, starting with the Dreamberry Tales issue from the original quest when Cutter and Skyway start out as the Trolls' slaves, but then end up being their drinking buddies. Mm. I love it when the elves and Trolls pal around. And then, you know, we got to see more of that with, with Mender and Flam and, and Drub. And, you know, it's just kind of coming full circle here again. I keep saying full circle, but I feel like that there are, there are so
1: many things that are full circle, full circle. Absolutely. Okay, but now I'm going to throw a little monkey wrench in. Because okay. Uh-oh. in that in that same scene, we have you know them talking about how great the healing feels. And, and gosh, why am I blinking out on her name? Trinket's mom. Odd bit. Odd bit. Odd bit. Thank you. <laughs> She's going to be all flirtatious with these new... Sexy elves or um, trolls, you know, that we got to see in their healing, but you have old maggoty standing off to the side and saying, impressive treasured first comer troll. I must admit she's talking about the healing capabilities. So is that just a a respectful, Hey, they've got this that I've been trying to get up to, or is that a hint?
0: I think that's totally Maggotty being maggoty. And you know, she can't deny that it's a pretty impressive skill that these elves have. and So I'm reading but, too
1: much into it.
0: Yeah. yeah. and I, I just think she's, you know, she's like, well, I, I've got to admit it is pretty cool. And, I, oh, you know, okay. despite herself, because really what she wants to do is be like, you ugly pink snouted, you know, little, you know, rats. But really, she can't because she has to acknowledge that it is actually a pretty impressive thing that they can do.
1: Okay, I like that because I was reading more into it and going back to when the silent one was sent out to collect Mender for his healing skills, oh, and I looked at it that way. Interesting. Because when we say full circle, I was like, "Oh my gosh, are we going full circle back to this again, where Mender's seen as a a treasure that people want to, you know, mm-hmm. take and
0: oh. covet." Well, that's an interesting. Yeah, theory. but I
2: think
1: in that case, she's re- the treasured is treasured newcomer tool. Well, that, yes, she's being polite to him. And it might be just as David said, that she's just acknowledging that they've got those skills and it's begrudgingly or or I don't know, because she's just saying, I must admit, I can see totally what David's saying and maybe not go down the pathway I was.
0: Well, no, but I can totally see what you're saying, too. And it's not something that even occurred to me. So um, I, I, I love that's why I love doing this, because you guys help. Me think of different things that i would never have thought of so um yeah what if Maggotty turns uh, a, a little um you know does a little villain turn and tries to swipe mender and what would happen then but hmm i think she's just being a, a a crotchety old you know crone like she always is and you know not willing to actually acknowledge a good thing just because she's a nasty old thing but <laughs> I'm not gonna say that I can't see what what your theory you know is playing out too so again we'll just have to keep reading
2: yeah. mm-hmm. and Mender's staying so she wouldn't have a limited window of opportunity there she has a long time to plot that's that. true
1: that's true and they do like to barter and trade so maybe she's just being troll-like and saying hey here's here's our our uh, next thousand years to fur and meat that right. we don't need to go get
0: right. So, Lisa, I thought what you were going to say, as far as the p- little negative thing here, is Oddbit, um, you know, sort of.
1: Oh, that too. <laughs> hungrily
0: eyeing these these you know na- newly beautiful misfit trolls, and um, that you know that she was going to go kind of cheat on Picknose. But I have a sense that um, Oddbit does what Oddbit wants, and she always has, and she always will. And a little thing like, you know, a marriage isn't really going to stop her. And Picky's just going to have to deal with it. And I will say in her defense, before Mender gave her her facelift, she did mention that Picky wasn't interested in her and hadn't touched her in ages. So if Picknose was going to reject her because, you know, she got a little age on her, then I feel like she's got a little bit of leeway here, right?
1: Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. There's pleasure to be had.
0: Yes. And she is a queen, after all. And a queen has needs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have to say, I really like the drawing of the one troll standing in the scene, looking at its rear end. <laughs> yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. And I think that one's a female. I do, too. You know, I mean... We've only ever Doesn't seen... Does my butt look good in this? Totally, right? <laughs> Which is so perfect. And it's such a trollish thing, too. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, they're, you know, I think that's a female. I don't see a beard. I guess we've always assumed that the Misfit trolls were all male, but maybe there were others that we never saw on camera, right? And so now we're getting to see one of them.
2: Well, and being so misshapen, too, that...
0: That it's just, you know, you just have to admire that butt.
2: Yep. And I'm just um, looking at that panel more. I didn't study that panel as much because I was waiting to see what was going to happen on the next page, I guess. But uh, all of their expressions are fun. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. And there's yeah. one yeah.
2: looking at his hands just like a baby who has just noticed his hands. Oh, wow. Look at these. <laughs> the one showing off his muscles and the <laughs> bodybuilder pose and looking at butt and the oh my narcissus in the barrel. Mm-hmm. They're all fun.
0: Yeah, no, the trolls are great, and I'm um, I'm really happy to see the misfit trolls get a little bit of redemption too. Yes, they're right. pretty miserable. So moving on from the trolls, the one um, the only other thing that I had to really talk about is the end of the uh, of the of the issue um, that really kind of starts out with who I can only imagine is a descendant of Nunca, who was Shuna's first husband. Kind of me heard.
1: too that's the yes. first yes yeah i went there too because
0: he's got the spider it, symbol it,
2: it took me two readings to start thinking about it and where have i seen him before and then it finally came to me
0: yeah like the apple doesn't fall so I had to read searcher today oh did you yeah i do that a lot too like i see something yeah. in and there's there's issue, and the like, whole
2: the you know the the lee 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 call oh right yeah yeah
0: yeah
2: <clears throat> the spider emblem and, um, even the headband, um, but he's much smaller than, um, Shuna's first husband had been and, and so much time has passed, Right, presumably what... would have to be a descendant.
0: Right. Yeah. I was going to say the, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree or the, you know, the great grandfather tree or whatever, mm-hmm. um, depending on how old he is. But I, yeah, the Lee, Lee, Lee call I didn't pick up on until you just said that. So that's kind of awesome. You know, one thing that I that I really like about the way that Wendy and Richard treated this this guy is, um, you know, the story. You know, we, you know, we hear from the Junsmen from, and, and we hear kind of them express themselves. Um, mm-hmm. And so far, at least with the humans that are interacting with the Junsmen, the 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 tribes of the Icehold continent, we've kind of heard them kind of speaking their 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 broken version of Junslander. And this guy does it too but in the very first panel that we have with him we actually hear him think like we get to see him thinking and he's thinking mm-hmm. in his own language and it's not this sort of broken pigeon kind of thing that you know that the native person does you know and I thought that was just so beautifully done that um you know it kind of really shows that these are just as much a fully realized people as the invaders are even if you know where we're, we're being shown things a little bit more from the invaders' point of view as villains in the story. That Wendy and Richard took the time to, to do that with this guy right here. I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah, so it's not yeah, just and like, and
2: even it had never even occurred to me that to, to think of them as as less than fully realized people. I just always figured it was the the learning of the language. But right.
0: well, I guess I guess what but I'm that probably say, is a good. Yeah, but, they, I'm glad,
2: but for the reasons that you said, I'm glad they that, that they did do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I because guess the, you're sim- right. the simpler way of saying it is like it, it would be really, it would have been really easy to just kind of have them be like, you know, like the Indians in a cowboy and Indian movie, you know, right. where like the Indians always speak their broken English or whatever, you know, and so I just really liked that. I thought that was a, a really nice touch um, to kind of just kind of flip the perspective a little bit and remind us that. Yeah, I mean, yes, we hear, we, we, you know, we heard B and we, you know, we heard Shukapek and, you know, even Shuna, who has really been integrated with the peoples of the ISIL continent, um, you know, we hear them speaking in their own way, and, you know, whatever. But anyway, I just thought it was neat and I wanted to call it out. But um, this leads to the, you know, kind of the final cliffhanger of the issue. Well, <clears throat>
2: there's one thing in between, though, and that's we've had Shuna and Shen Chen and Talit all working to befriend the humans of Ice Holt um, in part so that they would be allies against the Jenslunders and here it seems like their teaching of the language um, might be backfiring a little bit because he is using it to conspire with the Jenslunders or that's his intent anyway
0: Yeah, yeah that's totally true and, you know, another, I think another great example of the 360 treatment of both of these cultures, you know, so there's not that simple good guys, bad guys, um, you know, within the Jensland uh, entourage, we, you know, last issue, we saw the descendant of the woodcutter and, and he kind of represents... The, the good humans just like right. um tangle nets the old fisherman who ended up getting shot mm-hmm. you know he was a Jumslander yep. and you know he you know we got to see both sides both good and bad and here we're seeing the same is true of the people's of of Icehold. you know mostly we see them we've seen them in a positive light but here we're getting to see kind of the the you know the sort of the the, the dark side of of that culture as well, that there are individuals just like in any human culture that, you know, are willing to do nefarious things for their own benefit. And clearly this guy is trying to gain from befriending these new warriors that have these powerful weapons and, you know, who knows what he's going to do. And the fact that he's a descendant from Nunca again, um, he probably was raised that way by his father, who was raised by his father, and you know, to sort of mm-hmm. have this viewpoint towards the world that, you know, take advantage and step on whoever you need to in order to you know, for you to get ahead. Um, right. So yeah. So just you know, teeny tiny minor background character uh, who really only has one role in this issue, and that's kind of to start the fire um, as far as the big <laughs> action goes. But mm-hmm. all of these layers of subtlety and um, storytelling going on in there um, just just really neat stuff. Well,
1: yeah. and the nuance. Well, fire means much friend. When he said that at first, I'm like, why? And then when he dropped it, I went, Oh, Oh, everything is really full circle. (laughs) You know, it was, it seems like such an innocent statement. Fire means much friend, see friend, fire means, and then leading up to what happens.
0: Right. He gets shot. He drops it. And he drops it right into the dry grass and things get lit up. And then we fade into a completely different place, and it says time passes how much time you know who knows, but apparently, you know this dude started uh, you know a pretty significant wildfire, and guess who it's heading for
1: a really, really, really really, really old forest
0: right with some really, that has really... a lot of. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I have some really, really, really old elves in it—the the, the rootless yeah. ones—and um, this is really interesting. You know, they're they're so alien. These these the rootless ones in in a really great way. They're just so they've they've moved so far away from the what we think of as elves, right? I mean, they're they, they think in a collective. They don't even, they can perceive this danger, but they're not going to do anything about it. They're kind of going to be like the plants and the fungus that they mimic uh, or that they have chosen to, you know, sort of emulate. And they're just going to kind of sit there and burn. But they're like, maybe we should say goodbye to to Sava. (laughs) And they send to her, um, which then, you know, leaves us with the cliffhanger of Red Lance (laughs) picking up on this sending and being like, oh my God, no, not again, not another fire. The, the Rootless Ones can't run. we got to do something about it. Um, so we do end on a note of drama.
2: Okay, and that brings me to another 360. The very first episode of ElfQuest was titled Fire and Flight. Mm-hmm. So it's more than just the fire, but and, and not just flying to escape, but fire and flight. You know, the, the palace is going to fly off, and we have fire. So we have...
1: The elements of fire and flight again.
0: Totally. So do you
1: think the palace is going to be taken away? Get some of oh. them out of there? Flight them to go help the rootless ones? No, or just, just all just, of just, it? Just,
2: just, just all of it. The elements of fire and flight.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: A, a pod could be used to rescue the rootless ones if they would do it. Right. Or uh, for Redlands to... Fight fire. I mean, there's there's so many possibilities, and and you know we were talking about you know speculating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, with a whole lot of fiction in the world, I can speculate and be pretty close, if not right on, a lot of the time. With ElfQuest, so often all bets are off, <laughs> which is part of why I love it. Exactly, because there's the there's the things like oh, I can say in hindsight, oh, yeah, we should have seen that coming because there was this hint and this and this, and it makes sense, and it ties back to, but I only ever see those things in hindsight. Right. <laughs> so.
0: Certainly. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And, and yeah, I mean, there are times, as you guys were talking about earlier, where we've speculated about stuff on the podcast, and you know, we've gotten some things right and some things maybe partially right, but I would say that's kind of the exception. Uh, you know, if we got five percent right, the rest of it was wildly off the mark. And that you're right is totally what what part of the fun is. And this issue is a mm-hmm. great example of that. You know, we yes, it was hinted, and there were pretty clear indicators that Audrey and Two Edge would get together. Right, um, we kind of all mm-hmm. knew that was going to happen. And and you know, same thing with with Dart and Mender. You know that we kind of knew where that was going. We didn't know exactly how it was going to play out, but, but like who the hell knew that Cutter and Lita were going to recognize again? You know, <laughs> no, I, that came no, totally out of left field. And yet in hindsight, it's, it's so perfect for this to happen yeah, right. at the end. Yeah. Of the story. Right. You, know? And, you
2: know, and you know, that's part of that. We didn't talk, touch on was that, um, uh, to what degree did Cutter, Recognizing himself, even if it was forced upon him, um, play in a new recognition that he, you know, is in, in some way altered and re-recognized. Almost like um, they're g- going to be life mates, supporting each other forever, no matter what. But now she has recognized this fuller version of him.
0: Yeah, certainly. I mean, because it's like, well, what what's different now then? all the other times. And, you know, recognition has no rhyme or reason, we know. But I, 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 I like that idea that there's something different about Cutter and maybe that's the thing that um, that really triggered a recognition between the two of them again. This, the, it, You know, it's sort of Cutter in a way um, has gone through, you know, he's he's gone on his hero's journey and he's fallen into the pit and he's climbed back out and, um, you know, again, another perfect example of what I was probably not very effectively articulating of why how the action and drama in final quest is oftentimes less about you know what again we think of in a traditional sci-fi fantasy story where you have a good guy against a bad guy and they have a big fight with big swords or big guns and the good guy wins you know final Quest's dramas are cutter having this huge spiritual realization about himself that shocked him to the core him running off like a madman and almost dying and starving to death and almost getting cannibalized by another branch of his own species (laughs) only to sort of come out of it with a new found peace and viewpoint on the world and this universe and you know so anyway tangent there but um, no no
1: it's it's a quiet um self spec it's the whole thing that speculation self-awareness it's all these nuances that make the bigger picture
0: yeah and and you know it's just i'm just so impressed that you can create a fantasy story that has all these you know these elements and these tropes of of fantasy you know again you do have you know the, the the weapons and the fights and everything but that particularly in final quest and this is something I've been kind of has been rolling around in my head for a little while. That's why I'm trying to again really articulate it. It's just I think it's partly what makes ElfQuest different is that um, we're, again we're not just getting a Lord of the Rings style battle between good and evil and you know there's 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 all of this stuff in here and a lot of it is is, is much more subtle and um, just an illustration of the fact that conflicts come in all shapes and forms and it's not always mm-hmm. about punching somebody in the face, <laughs> right. I think that's that's what makes Elf great. One of the things. When the
1: opportunity arises, are you going to be ready for it? Because I'm looking at this with Red Lance. Back in the original series, he couldn't do anything to fight. His magic was too young. Mm-hmm. And so he had to flee. And here in this final, you, I mean, you know he's going to go fight.
0: Absolutely. That's I his mean, biggest. We know because of the cover of issue 21 that right. he's going to get there somehow. And Katie, I think you mentioned, you know, maybe a palace pot or something, or maybe it's the whole palace. Maybe the whole palace mm-hmm. is going to fly, um, fire and flight, you know, and, um, you know, who knows, but Redlands clearly is going to go fight this fire.
1: It's just that yep. character development. He's, he's come from where he was to this, where he's going to make a stand.
0: Right. And speaking of character development, um, I also really loved, you know, we're on the last page here, um which, by the way, um, I'm just noticing the panel composition is very sharp-edged and angular, and, you know, mm-hmm. you have these triangles. And it's such a great panel design for the last page of an issue where, like, a new threat has just emerged. And mm-hmm. it creates this sense of energy and tension. It's kind of the opposite of, like, the, the, the page layout and the passion scenes between Cutter yeah. and Anta earlier. Um, yeah, yeah and, it,
2: it, and it's jarring not just because of the angles but because the composition of each panel is so different in color, shape, form, Mm -hmm. light, everything.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: It's, it's jarring. It's, it's disturbing.
0: Right. It's, well, it's got, it's got, uh, it's, there's something kinetic about it, um, which again, I think Mm -hmm. is perfect for a scene uh, or setting up a, you know, sort of a scenario where, you know, there's fire and it's a danger and it's going to kill and obliterate and, You know, there's that sick feeling of anxiety and realization that, you know, somebody that you care about or some things that you care about or, you know, your people are going to suffer and die. But what I was going to say, and this I think is my my last thought, is I really also loved the, you know, uh, speaking of character development, which is how we started talking about this, is, um, you know, how in one panel, on one page, you get character development and a little mini story within a story and i'm talking about the panel where nightfall and red lance are hanging with new star and oler who Mm -hmm. you know oler was a gardener in the sun village and he kind of has chosen not to go the route of the rest of his people because he's just so connected to you know the green growing things and 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 being immersed in that um and he's chosen to live a life as uh, you know with the wolf riders and it would only make sense that that you know he would be buddies with Red Lance right and we see New Star right. and Oler and New Star and um, is helping Nightfall with the fletching on her arrows and i just you know there's a whole little story right there it's just neat
2: Yep. and in the other panel next to it too we have Skyways Skywise holding hands with Temaine
0: oh i didn't even see that they were holding hands but you're right yeah,
2: yeah. and then we also have Aerory and Oric it looks like there's some closeness there besides physical proximity.
0: And, and Whereas, just, you know,
2: back in Blue Mountain, they wouldn't have been free to do anything like that. and orc still is, you know, in, in a trance to a certain degree or a right, greater yeah. degree. But just, you know, the closeness yeah. aspect.
0: Well, when we left Aurori in shards, you know, she was like, I really want to see if there are any gliders left. Mm-hmm. You know? And she obviously learned that Tildak was gone and... In her mind, at that point, it would have been just her. Um, you know, Winnowill was dead, and then they discovered Auric, and and that would have been a great thing. And um, they don't know. Well, she she may or may not know about Dor. I mean, Sunstream knows that Dor is coming, and and you know, Aurori also said recently. Um, I think I think Aurori said something about you know the yeah she did she said something in a previous issue about you know the times coming where i feel like i'm going to make that choice to move to the palace and the fact that that's where she is right now lends me leads me to believe that she's made that choice and it would only make sense that she's you know attending or 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 there in the throne room with you know her former tribesman he's -hmm. as far as she knows the last living glider other than herself so yeah stories within stories
2: every single panel stories within <laughs> stories
0: well i think that is all i got do you guys have anything that uh, you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to or that i didn't bring no, up no i
1: think no i think it's it i mean it's we'll be discussing this for years
0: oh
1: yeah <laughs> if we if we continue but it's no i think there's well, pretty much one more
2: thing. um the rootless ones when mm-hmm. they use the 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 palace call to augment their send, but the maybe farewell to our dear one and that kinship that they feel with Sava was touched on again.
0: Yeah, which which leads me to believe that you know Sava wondered if she actually knew these elves in her distant distant youth, or if they were just they they just know of her. It's pretty clear to me, especially from, from this, that they remember her, and they possibly were ancient when she was born. Well, maybe not. I mean, Saba was probably born a few thousand years, is my guess, after the elves, the High Ones crashed. But uh, yeah, still, a few thousand years is still a few thousand years. I don't get the sense that any of those, uh, the Bruteless the Ones, are first comers, but they're probably of the first generation born. Um, so anyway... Yeah. So, one last
2: thing. So, then because of that, with the, you know, Dear One, I went back to uh, when Sava is telling her story to the Wolf Riders of how um, she and and her small group first came to the Sun Village. We have um, a panel where the outside of her hut is depicted. Mm -hmm. Go look at that panel and the figures on it. They do not have four limbs.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Are you serious? I'm looking for my books right
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally going to ElfQuest.com and clicking on the online comics and I'm going to, what is it, like issue three. I totally know what you're talking about. It's these very ethereal, flowing, elfin What's issue elfin figures on the panel. Um, yeah, it's issue...
2: Okay, it would be issue two because it's before they're taken into her hut.
0: Oh right, okay. okay. There it is.
2: <clears throat> so if you're looking at if you have a look at the you know, original quest or elf quest, the complete quest, volume one, which is what I happen to be looking at, it's page sixty nine.
0: Okay. Yeah, so So
2: they don't have four limbs, but it could be uh, flame, which we now know there are the flame elves. Could be could be cone heads, but they're not really cone head shaped, but
0: what okay so yeah this is this is like the the great egg scroll of colors elf quest mm-hmm. experience where you're looking at something that you've seen for decades and now you're seeing it in a totally new light and you know i think that my interpretation now that i'm looking at it and i'm thinking i'm coming up with this on the fly is just that this is a representation an artistic representation of the malleability of the elves that when we first read this as readers and even the characters in the story themselves, other than Sava would not have been aware of. Um, but you know, the elves are psychic and time doesn't exist. And I, you know, Sava's tapped into that. And so how, whoever did that art on there, I, you know, I look back on this now and I do see the rootless ones and I do see the fire elves. And frankly, I do see the wave dancers you know, um, yeah. You know, they symbolize this art, this artistic representation of the elves. To me, is is a symbol of the shape changing ability and the malleability of the elves on the world of Two Moons. Yep. That's what and I was and
2: thinking. and back then I just saw it as this very loose, almost primitive sort of rendering of, you know, of symbols the elves of themselves. Symbol painting, yeah. yes. right,
0: right. Yep. Or you know, or, or frankly, like. In the past, I've always looked at that and just seen, oh, there are sun villagers in dresses, which is probably what the sun (laughs) villagers themselves thought. But now that we know as readers what we know, I am getting a whole new interpretation out of this.
1: Well, and okay, so it's symbolism. The elves live for so long, and one of the lessons that we learn is they tend to forget some of their own mm-hmm. history and some of their own past, unless somebody like Cutter's forced to remember for them. Right. So how, what kind of art are they creating that's coming from that wealth of of life that they may not even understand themselves while they're creating it?
0: Well, yeah, and the whole collective consciousness idea. They could be doing things that tap into that and they don't even know or remember. And and that is, is kind of what I'm thinking too in, in relation to the rootless ones in this, you know. Sava obviously didn't know that some of the rootless ones, other than her group survived and went on to become the rootless ones of today, these fungus creatures, but maybe in guiding the art on her hut, she, there, you know she was tapping into that knowledge without even really knowing it.:
1: My mind's blown every time I read this) <laughs> Oh, gosh. And then we start discussing it in the podcast or on Facebook or...
0: <laughs> I know. This is why these damn things go on for so long, because there's just too much to talk about. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, and
2: there are times when I look at them at the length of the podcast, and I go, wow, what could they talk about for that long now? Well,
0: now you know. <laughs> well, One
2: more thing. But One more thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and... and that's exactly what happens. You know, we think of one more thing and the next thing we know, another half an hour has gone by. But but with that said, I think we probably should wrap up. So last last, going once, going twice. Any any other final thoughts on the issue or anything in general?
2: Just this has me. been a lot of fun and
1: thanks for asking us.
0: Oh, Yes, absolutely. very much
1: so. Very uh, much so. And this may be one of my favorite issues ever.
0: Mine too. And um, I'm so thrilled that you guys were willing to join me. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever done a podcast before or done any kind of, you know, recording radio, anything like that, but um,
2: no, I just tried to pretend we weren't doing that. We're just talking ElfQuest. That made it so much. And annoying. that is,
0: that is my number one <laughs> tip. You know, as somebody that works in the media, the the best thing you can do is just be you. And that's, that's why I asked you guys. Cause I knew that um, I, I really love your insights that you share um, on social media about ElfQuest and, um, you know, I've never spoken with you guys directly before, um, and so I I just had a sense that we this would be exactly what it turned out to be, which was like you said, just a fun conversation of all of us geeking out and um, it you know having having three of us here adds a different dynamic than what Ryan and I normally have, and you know I think it's it's always a good thing to mix it up a little bit, so that's why I figured you know if 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 I'm asking a guest host to come on, why don't I ask two guest hosts to come on and we'll we'll make this a you know a really special episode. So you guys were awesome and I very, very much appreciate it.
2: Thank you. And I'm so glad. And what an issue to get to do it on. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, All thanks, right. Ryan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, thanks, Ryan. I hope you're having fun in Europe.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, guys. And again, everybody out there, hope you enjoyed the issue. And yeah, until issue 21. We'll see you then. Bye.
2: All right. Thank you. Good
0: night. Well, that's it for this episode of the ElfQuest Show podcast. As always, you can join the discussion on the official forums on elfquest.com, on Twitter at, at elfquest, or on any of several Facebook pages, including the official ElfQuest Facebook page and the ElfQuest Facebook fan page. Don't forget, you can read the entire ElfQuest back catalog at elfquest.com, along with tons of other great stuff like character bios, behind-the-scenes features, and more. The final quest is published by Dark Horse Comics, and you can get the latest issue of ElfQuest the minute it comes out at digital.darkhorse.com. Until next time, shade and sweet water. The music you heard in this episode is called Hunting for Experience by Epicus from their album An Epic Journey. You can find music by Epicus and thousands of other artists for your podcasts or multimedia projects on gemendo.com.